Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments. From the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Have you ever had to suffer in silence or struggle with your mental health? Well, today's episode is for you. Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Nita, and this is your destination, your oasis to have more brave conversations and actions and be brave in your relationships. Now, today we are joined by the queen, Karina Dawn, who I actually had the chance to meet about seven years ago, in 2015, when I had just sold my dental practice and I was embarking on the TED Women Conference. And the TED Women Conference brings together all sorts of notable people from Nobel laureates to people who are really changing the world on a very large scale. And I was this tiny little pea in a pod after I sold my and exited my company. And I came to learn more about leadership and from badass women in the world. And I go into one of the workout sessions and it happened to be the founders of Tone It Up, which was Karina Dawn and her co-founder. And it was so fascinating that seven years later, now we get to sit with her and we talk about really all of the struggles around mental health and topics around taboo, like depression and other mental health related diseases that really aren't discussed. And if you are like me or have a community where you aren't supported or you are thought of as dumb or stupid or gaslit or your feelings or emotions or thought of as crazy, and the list can go on and on and on because we're not really allowed to discuss these issues publicly. It's always under a rug. It's always in silence. I want you to know that you are not alone in this conversation today. And fortunately, things are changing because Karina is now the founder of The Big Silence, and you can check them out on Instagram. They have a whole slew of services and therapists and mental health practitioners and folks who are really leading the fort in making mental health accessible for people. And I love their mission and I love what they're all about. And Karina takes into account her personal memoir of sharing how the trauma was growing up with her mom who suffered for a very long time with her battle of mental health. And in this conversation, we are going to be diving into how we can normalize conversations about mental health, talking about emotions. You know, this is really the cornerstone of my work. And I'm so fascinated about digging in to how we can have more of these brave conversations, loving people for who they are, advice for moms navigating mental health with their kids, how to really hold space and what that actually means, and how to leverage your hardest times to create a better way forward, right? And finally, how to reach out to others when you need support and how to be of support when somebody is going through a tough time and maybe they're not sharing it fully. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Karina Dawn on The Brave Table. 
All right. All right. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Nitha. And today we've got quite the mm, journey. I'm so excited, Karina, to have you sitting at The Brave Table. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Do you realize, I don't know if you know the story. I don't think I know. Okay. In 2015, we met and... Oh, stop it. (laughs) Okay. We met, we were at TED Women, you and your co-founder, mm-hmm. Katrina. Yes. You guys were doing the morning series for TED Women. Yes. And I think I, I don't know, I came up to you guys because I'm like, oh my gosh, we need more like women that are not so like in their masculine. Cause I felt like every woman there was just like fully like mm-hmm. in their masculine. And you were like, yes, it's a party in the mornings. <laughs> And that was my first interaction of you guys. And then knowing Tone It Up, it was like, oh my God, they're so amazing. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that was fun. Wow, 2015. Ted Woman. So you were there as an attendee. I was there as an attendee yeah. and just soaking up all the juice because I was like transitioning. I had pretty much sold my practice. I was a dentist and I was just like, you know, immersing myself in all the things. There I was. I was like, oh, in your morning sessions. Yeah. So those are workout sessions of Tone It Up. But you know, it's interesting. I was, before I came over here, I was looking at, because you were, or yeah, you're a former dentist Mm -hmm. and I had a dental appointment this afternoon. (laughs) And then I realized I had a podcast with you and I was like, this is meant to be. Cancel the dental appointment. (laughs) Come to you. We'll do talk therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to be on top of you. It's fine. I don't need like metal tools in your mouth. I really want to go anyways. So yeah, it's fine. This is, this is perfect. This is perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome. I feel like we've had so many like interactions of our paths crossing. So I'm so glad because you have a book that's out mm-hmm. and the big silence. And I love it. Oh my gosh. This is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I worked on it for five years, 30 years of living with a mother who was mentally ill. Um, And then the book, it's like me birthing a baby. Um, Do you know Nick Onkin? Yes. That he took that photo. Oh my God. Yes. I have one of his hats. Yes. Shout out to Nick. Nick. Yes. (sighs) That's yeah. It's such a warm, inviting, and it's almost like peace. Mm -hmm. Tell me what comes to mind when you look at your own cover. Well, it was between Nick Onkin and Jenna Anton, who's my makeup gal and friend for over a decade. It was more just stripped down, honest, vulnerable. I mean, the story, the memoir is, it's not a happy book. Mm -hmm. It really gets in there. Um, It's about a mother-daughter relationship, growing up with a mother who's schizophrenic and me going through my own situational depression, suicide attempt and living through that and overcoming when I thought I would amount to nothing. And I would, I hate to say that, you know, end up like my mother, mm-hmm. um, suffering from depression as well. And then becoming something, finding that moment of like, you are meant to be something greater. Mm-hmm. And also I point out in here too, like getting a diagnosis is not the end all. Mm. but opening up that conversation and getting the help because you can still live a wonderful life with a diagnosis. With a diagnosis. Yeah. Now, and what I've loved just seeing your path and you're one of the few people because you've now transitioned from Tone It Up like years ago. I mean. Well, I'm still Tone It Up. Okay. You're still, 
But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're no, I still own the company. I still film all the workouts, the meditations, and more on the mental health side and the yoga. I've kind of transitioned from the HIT workouts to yoga right. and meditation, right. more mindfulness. But then I started the Big Silence as we're a nonprofit foundation. We have resources for mental health, and then the book and the podcast. I mean, because everything it seems like it shifted from yeah. just like lifting weights and like doing quick workouts and like having your hot girl body to really owning and bringing out the emotions that essentially we kind of hide behind the facade of like a really fit body. Yeah. I think in the beginning of Tone It Up, and I've shared this often, I was ashamed of my past and ashamed that me being a fitness superstar had a past where you were I, <laughs> and you are I totally am all. <laughs> sometimes sometimes I don't like to work out just kidding I love to but I was ashamed because that was in the society say a decade ago we weren't talking about mental health mm-hmm. and so coming out and saying like this fitness superstar used to do drugs for 10 years used to smoke cigarettes had a suicide attempt wasn't living that healthy lifestyle that you preach but that ate at me a bit mm-hmm. Where I felt dishonest, you know? Yeah. And once I was able to open up the story where actually fitness healed me. Because in my darkest moments, it's like, when was I happiest? Oh, I was paying attention to my body. I was having awareness. I decided to do triathlon. I was surfing. I was doing all these things. So finally, when I was authentic to myself and opened up about my past, then I really felt like I could bring to tone it up what the true meaning was Mm -hmm. and why I started it with Kat. And when was that awakening, like the awakening moment, that initiation, that kind of like dark night of the soul where you're kind of like, okay, I need to perhaps reconcile with my mom and where I'm at. The journey never ends, Mm. (laughs) but probably six or seven years ago, I started to transition into just being me and not giving a fuck whatever anyone else thought. And just being like, this is me. And number one is taking care of ourselves so that we can then help others. Um, And it's been progressing. But yeah, I would say six, seven years ago. Mm. I mean, because I see in the book, you have poems written. Mm. So take us through this time. Yeah. So in the book, each chapter has an opener. It's either a poem I wrote from when I was a kid. So you were a writer when you were growing up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's crazy. I threw all of my... from all of them? I have everything. This is like from your diary when... Because it says Karina, age 13. Oh yeah. I still have... The handwritten spiral bound notebooks. I don't know through all of the years of me moving. Because when I first moved to LA, I was like moving every two months. I kept a box with all of my writing. So each chapter has either a a writing, a journal entry, a poem from me, or my sister, who's our executive director at the foundation, or my dad, who he's a therapist, also a musician. So his lyrics. So I really integrated my family. Oh my goodness. Okay. Brave table fam. I just have to read you all an excerpt. This is chapter 11, a walk to the corner store. Look into the crystal ball. I can see my life begin to fall to the ground. Look around me. I can see the hateful smiles at home. I feel all closed up at home. I wish you would shut up. I won't sit on your furniture. I'll just stand here and act mature. You're so unfair. Why don't you care? 
standing in the dark, drop to my knees, begging you to forgive me, please. But that's okay. I'll never forgive you. What I know now, only if you knew, maybe I could run into the night or just stay through one more fight. Karina, age 13. What was happening during this time? Yeah. So age 13 was around my suicide attempt when my parents were fighting a lot. Mm -hmm. My mother had just been diagnosed. My father was part of Antichrist to her. Mm -hmm. And she always came to me to tell me like everything that he was bad about. So she basically brainwashed me as a little girl Mm -hmm. into believing her own what she believed within her illness her, and it's a brain disease. And so, and she made up these stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he was a bad person. And then I hated my dad and then I didn't trust her. And then I didn't want to sit on the furniture that he, I was like, it was a very tough upbringing knowing who to trust. Mm-hmm. And if you've been through it, you know, and it's a very tough thing to transition out of once you Um, realize what is real and what is not as you grow up. But then also having that empathy as you become an adult of releasing that hatred Mm. for both parents, Mm. relearning how to love each parent, having empathy for the sick one, and then rebuilding that relationship with my father. Mm. So... What was that healing journey like when you finally kind of understood where your mom is at? I feel like we all have that waking point where we're kind of like, okay, we're going to love them for who they are. We're going to love them for where they're at. First, it's like, you know, so many of the signs of grief and like the stages of grief and the anger and the resentment. And then we kind of come into this acceptance. Where was that in your time frame or season of life? That took a long time. My healing process started in my early 20s, getting back to fitness, meditation, therapy. Oh, yes. Therapy. What Did therapy work really well for you? Oh, yeah. Mm. I think therapy is an ongoing thing. I'll oh, take yes. breaks and I'm like, hey, I'm ready for you again. <laughs> right? Especially when you find that one. Yeah. And sometimes it's like a dance to find the right therapist too. Yeah. And I have different therapists, teachers, you know, it, it takes an hour. Healers. <laughs> I've got my different healers as well. Yeah. 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 All um, the things. I was fearful of my mother once I realized what schizophrenia was. Mm. And I ran from her and she ran from me and she was in and out of my life. But once I did, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, no one was talking about it. So I did my own research to like truly understand. And then I went to a course with NAMI National Alliance of Mental Illness on family to family I'm now on their board of advisors, but it's really just educating yourself and then learning empathy. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this is not, it's like if a family member has cancer, Mm. my mother had a brain disease Mm. and she just passed away almost her one year anniversary or I don't know what you call it. Oh, wow. Yeah. September 15th. Oh my goodness. But. Mm. Sending her love. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she was afraid of her own illness all of her life and she denied it. She didn't want to take medication, Mm. but um, I was with her the last three days of her life. And I told her about the big silence, the book. The book was coming out. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. So it's so recent of her transition. Yeah. The book, I thought I was going to write this thing in, in a year, but it wasn't ready. So then I had to write an epilogue, but, and I told her about the foundation that my sister and I were doing in mm-hmm. honor of her so that no one had to suffer in silence. Like she did her entire life entire life. And her father was also schizophrenic and committed suicide. So she always had a tough life. So, Mm. yeah. I mean, what a beautiful tribute because I mean, there's so many, and I feel like in the last few years, I don't know about you, but you know, a lot of the things that I talk about and preach about is like, you know, grit and resilience, but really having that agility and the flexibility and the flow to really understand where somebody else is coming from as well. Mm-hmm. And the last few years, we've been kind of like in our homes, mm-hmm. depending on where you were. And I feel like a lot of that really kind of came up for so many people where we literally just had this big event in Europe and we had like over 500 people of you know our community gather around from different countries in this place for our first big event after two years. And there was like all of this like, you know, excitement, but mm-hmm. then you know, you could tell there's some like social awkwardness that everyone was just like, yeah. wait, refiguring out how like, to relate. Can I hug you? <laughs> can I shake your hand? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know what's, what, what is normal anymore. And because people had to really rewire themselves on, Hey, I do want touch. I actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do want to be around you. And mm-hmm. a lot of the loneliness and the isolation and the mental health issues, so I know that with the big silence, this is a big mission for you to kind of bring together communities. So can you talk a little bit about how that has been growing the community and also interrelating it with your podcast as well as this book? Yeah. For the big silence, we went on the book tour. We had the big bus and... Oh my gosh, it, you had a big bus. It's a 45-foot bus. My husband got his <laughs> license to drive like... A, I forget what it's called. Like a, It's like one of those yeah. like concert tour buses. Yeah. Yes. I've seen them. I've been in one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're going to go on tour again. I freaking loved it. My favorite moments... Well, so this was in May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and driving across the country... And just meeting people again. Mm. And my favorite parts were middle of nowhere, parked up at a truck stop or some a Walmart parking lot and meeting people who run up and they're like, what's the big sense? And we start talking and they're like, oh, my husband has bipolar. Oh, I suffer from depression. And we'll just like sit down on a parking lot and have conversations. And I see that people want to engage again. And so that is like my favorite parts of being on tour. And yeah, I find that even the Tone It Up community, when I start talking about mental health, the more people reach out and they're like, can you talk about this more? Or sharing their stories either that when we have a crisis text line and I'll say it's you text HERO to 741741 for 24-7 anonymous care mm-hmm. with a counselor who oh, can wow. connect you with someone. So, um, and a crisis is anything from being, having suicidal thoughts or an argument with a loved one. You just need to talk to someone it's there. And I was shocked at how many people use that. Wow. Just the text service. Yeah. Well then, yeah, you text and then you get on the phone with someone live. Oh my goodness. Just become, you know, as my I tone it up, but then I think it's just, I always say it's like in my blood to help people because I'm here. I'm a survivor. You don't have to suffer. And so whatever I can do to mm. 
have people live their best life. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to put the code in the show notes because I think that's so powerful for so many people. What advice would you give to somebody listening right now that's kind of like, yes, I have been suffering in silence for X amount of years and they're listening to this and maybe it's been taboo culturally Mm. to even ask for help or it's taboo culturally because coming from like immigrant backgrounds and I know you're from immigrant background as well, you're not given the tools to talk about it in family. Like Mm -hmm. I remember growing up, they're like, we don't go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I remember literally sitting at the courthouse with the judge. I was trying to get in a restraining order against my ex-husband. And so she's like, why'd you wait this long? And I said, because we don't, we're, we're like Asian, we don't get divorced. And literally she looks at me and she's, you know, she stamps the paper that it was approved. But in that moment, it just like registered that, wow, this shame that we have around being truthful. There is a lot of shame. And my advice would be, once you start talking about it, mm-hmm. there's just this release in your body. And there should not be any shame around talking about it. Reach out. Say, like, hey, I'm having these thoughts. Go to a therapist. Text the crisis line. But don't have shame. You deserve your best life and you deserve to speak. And even with the big silence that one of our biggest missions is to raise enough money where we can have therapy available for mm-hmm. everyone. Because therapy is expensive and not all insurance policies cover that. Not very many yeah. cover it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other thing on the other side is that when someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm having these thoughts. Listen, you know that I just got done doing a podcast for the big silence with someone who had her husband committed suicide four years ago and she has three young kids and he was the pastor of a church. Oh my gosh. And her biggest regret, Kayla, was um, that she didn't listen when he actually said, I'm having these thoughts. Mm. And really it's just listen and you don't have to give advice because just listen and then create a team to help. I think that's one of the most important things. Like if someone is having that strength to actually say, I'm having these thoughts. It's already hard for them to even voice that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for so many of you listening, the idea is like you want to be able to fix and mm-hmm. we want to be able to offer advice like a good girlfriend. Yeah. But in actuality, we just need somebody to, as we would say in Austin, hold space, <laughs> be present. <laughs> I think silence and mm. acknowledgement, like, oh my gosh, okay, let's talk about this. Like, yeah. I'm going to drop everything and, and tell me everything. Tell me more. Yeah. I think it's really important. And then, yeah, I did that with my mother a few times where she would tell me these things and I'm like, okay, stay safe. I'm coming to you. I'm getting the therapist. I'm getting this. You know, it's just building that team. So make- she had, she had voiced her suicidal ideation thoughts with you Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm guessing this is more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about this on the last podcast of, um, she she was suffered from depression, had suicidal ideation, but because of her religion, she wouldn't do it. But, you know, I always just made sure like she had the resources. I don't have the answers for her. I'm not the expert. So you were just giving her the support that she needed, yeah. but not forcing her to do anything with it. Yeah. Oh, how was that for you as a daughter? 
stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So then when you're in that position, like, how do you take care of yourself? And I think that's one of the important things, too, when you're dealing with anyone with a mental health disease is or any other disease, like making sure that you take care of yourself. So that is, you know, the things that we know are right, like getting out in nature, moving your body, meditation, you know, hanging out with friends and loved ones and just taking care of yourself. Oof. Wow. Wow. I can only imagine like little Karina at 12 years old, just having this almost, I can sense like maybe perhaps like some confusion. Well, that's why little Karina at 12 tried to take her own life and then decided to like get into rave parties and do a ton of drugs. (laughs) So So that was the coping mechanism for you was rave and drugs at 12. And not being at home as much as I possibly could. Staying at friends' houses, skipping school, staying away from the house. The house was not a safe space. But I think now, now I make my home such a like safe space that um, I love being there. Mm, The sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be a sanctuary, safe, inviting, comfortable. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what it reminds me of this photo of you on the cover. Yeah. Like you're finally safe at home. Yeah. Mm. Hello there, loves. I just wanted to take a quick moment here. As you've all heard me talk about navigating intense, tough, and sometimes just sucky human moments before. Now, as the queen of grit and resilience, there are those situations in life that just remind us that despite our best efforts, that life has its own plan sometimes. And honestly, we're just human at the end of the day. Nope, we can't control it all. And if you feel like you're always trying to, I see you, love. As a recovering type A perfectionist, I too was once needing to feel certain and in control about just about everything. Because honestly, Everything around me was just falling apart. And the thought of any uncertainty would literally heighten my anxiety levels. So I totally get it if you're the type who feels the need to have a handle on everything. But it's just not possible. So what do you do? What I've discovered is that although you can't control what life tosses your way, you can control how you bounce back from the suck. So to help you out, I put together a super fun quiz that will help you find out your audacious, resilient archetype is. How resilient are you? So it only takes 90 seconds to complete, and it'll tell you so much about how you bounce back from those sucky moments, plus give you some tools that you need to help strengthen your bounce factor so that you can not only handle the stress, the overwhelm, and honestly, just about anything that comes your way. So check it out. See how high your bounce factor is at bouncefactorquiz.com. Go ahead there to take my free quiz today, bouncefactorquiz.com. Get your results and the resources that you need to level up. And now let's get back to more juicy goodness in this episode. So why the memoir and not your typical like prescriptive book? Because you have this huge organization that's helping people recognize their mental health. I've seen on your feed on the big silence, you know, there's like these resources and you've partnered up with different organizations to help people get therapy. And so take me through that process because writing a memoir is hard. Having written the book that I'm working on right now is crazy. Yeah. To relive over and over and then the editing process. Yes. Um, Why the memoir? Because 
it's just what I felt I needed to put out there mm-hmm. because even with Tone It Up, there have been members of the community who are like, oh, K&K came from such... Oh, privileged, privileged backgrounds. Background. Nothing yeah. ever happened to them. They're so perfect. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> and How could anything <laughs> ever happen to you guys? You're so perfect. <laughs> but, you know, just not that I need to say anything to them, but... It just made me feel good. And then my hope is that by sharing this story, when someone thinks that we come from such privilege, when actually don't, Mm -hmm. I think that can really help others to overcome what they're going through. Life is hard. Yeah. Well, and to normalize the the personal journey and the, the struggles that we all tend to have and everyone's, you know, story is so unique and the backgrounds are so unique. Like you're, where's your family from? So I'm second generation from the Ukraine. Oh, wow. So my grandma was pregnant with my dad in 1950 when she was fleeing from there in different camps. It's not, we, I have a whole chapter in the book about this. I uh, saw that briefly. Yes. Yeah. So they were fleeing. They ended up in New York. My dad was born in Peru, Indiana. So I'm from Peru, Indiana. But, Midwest girl. Uh, Chicago Midwest. girl right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of generational trauma there that even, you know, what my grandma went through being pregnant and going through, you know, fleeing Just from massive camps. Yeah. yeah. So she passed that on to him, of course. Yeah. And mm. then, you know, we're just working through it. <laughs> mm. But yeah. And then my mom is Irish German, uh, but she was born in Indiana, family mm. there. Yeah. And what I am so impressed by is your calm and just your poise in being able to really bring these really tough conversations to light because mental health is something, you know, so many people, like you say, suffer in silence or they struggle in silence. And I think if anything came out of the pandemic, it was all right to normalize our crazy feelings, to normalize our feelings of, okay, this sucks right now, mm-hmm. or I'm in this like big sucky moment. Yeah. How has that kind of helped you in the mission and helping others really confront some of those perhaps elephants in the room? If we talk about the pandemic, I think it really has opened up that conversation even more and made it more welcome, mm-hmm. which I'm happy about because I've wanted to speak about it more over the years. And obviously, I think it's just made people be like, it's okay to not be okay and not to feel right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been really hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of grief and loss and loss of connection. But I feel like we're going to be on a uprise, right? We already are. We are. Yeah, we are with all the community building, the hugging, and so many tools that even the, what's the, the code that you said again? Oh, if somebody's in... Text HERO. HERO. Yeah. Okay. Two seven four one seven four one, And I chose the word HERO because I feel like you're a hero if number one, you text it yourself because I'm going to help myself. Or if you give it to a friend, you're their hero for saving them. Oh, I love that. So text HERO to 741741. Yeah. And are those spiritual numbers by any chance? No. Okay. I love, I love that you just made it so easy for so many people. So go out and be a hero <laughs> to someone and text 741741 if they are in, in need. And 
Do you think, does it have to be a big time crisis or can it be as small as an argument or just anxious thoughts in your head? How, what, what do you describe? Crisis is anything where you're feeling anxious. It could be an argument and you don't know how to talk your way through it. And you just need to speak to a professional. It could be something as suicidal thoughts or anything you're going through that is causing you stress. You can text that. That's a crisis. And therapy is not accessible, but at least someone to talk to who can guide you in that direction, that makes it more accessible. Yeah. And I feel that, and I'm sure with the big silence too, it's talking to and figuring out like what kind of therapist you even like, right? Mm-hmm. And that that just means that you'll have to, maybe the first one that you talk to, you may not jive with. So yeah. get that other opinion and talk to another person. Which is totally normal too. You're not going to jive with every therapist. That's like with every workout. You yeah. might not be a CrossFitter. You might not be a yogi. You might be, you might love just walking out in nature and that's cool too. Yeah. So have a meeting, have a, one of my therapists like five or six years ago, she well, was from England, from England. So she had an amazing accent, which I was like, I like you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we always do that? Like if you're from a different country, you're like, yes, speak more. Or it's that British accent for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she said, you know, if you don't like me, don't come back to me, but you should feel like your therapist, you should feel like you can sit down, have a cup of tea with and talk. So, you know, yeah, just find the right one. Oh, it's so true. And there's no harm in, I think they also want to make sure that it's the right fit as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, totally. yeah. And how has the whole book kind of process been? It's out it's getting so many incredible like comments and how has that journey been for you now that the book is out for everybody? I was nervous at first. I was like, okay, finally done. Print, go. I was like, did I say too much? And I was like, whatever. Like, right. Because with memoirs, that's what I was going to ask. There is so much that can come up. Yeah. Like, then, did you just word vomit? Because that's yeah. sometimes what happens. And then, yeah. And then I didn't even let my husband read it until I, it was printed. Because I was like, I don't want feedback. I don't want you to be like, are you sure you want to say that? And my dad, when he finally read it, he said, I don't want to hear your opinion. You said that to him? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, but he respected that. And he was like, wow. He's like, I had no clue what was really going on in your life. Mm. Because I talk about, you know, obviously teenage years and what I experienced with my mother that, you know, if my dad or my sister were to write a book, it would be a different story. It's their perspective. And then I have like moving to LA and being in the Hollywood scene, drugs, sex, this, that. And so I'm like, dad, just don't talk to me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Any positive uh, feedback? That, from, uh, yeah, he said he was proud of me okay, well, for what I overcame. I'm like, thank you. That's probably like the number one, <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, okay, I will receive that. Yeah. yeah I will yeah, receive yeah. that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So as you're talking about it, I feel like one of the questions probably for the audience is, and for a lot of the mom listeners who have young children or preteens getting into that weird stage of 
where there's so much consumption and we have our phones and the bullying and a lot of the mental health challenges that we get into between the ages, you know, of super young and kind of trying to figure ourselves out. Take us through little Karina at 12 and and how was that when you were trying to take your own life and what stopped you? Did you have resources and what advice do you have for moms? do the same. I didn't have resources. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I journaled a lot. That's why I still have all my journals that are included in this book. And I suffered in silence because of what was going on at home. Mm -hmm. And even once my mom got the diagnosis after, you know, she would be a Jane Doe in hospitals for months. Mm -hmm. No one, oh, your mom has schizophrenia. I'm like, how do you spell that? You know, Mm -hmm. at 12 years old. And even my dad, probably at the time, didn't know how to talk to us because he was also suffering. That's his wife. They were married 25 years until he finally had to let her go and um, file for divorce. And advice for mothers. And I don't blame my mom. My mom was not there because she couldn't help. She couldn't help herself. She Mm -hmm. was sick. Um, But just check in with your kids, educate them on mental health, check in how you're feeling, let them know that if you're feeling a certain way, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, NAMI has a great program um, called Into the Silence, uh, mm-hmm. where we go and speak in junior high and high schools about recognizing um, in your friends or family members if there's something going on. Uh, just, I would say... Just checking in. I mean, like, it's okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not feeling a certain way, mm-hmm. uh, you're not feeling positive or you're having these thoughts, like, let's talk about it. It's really just talking and listening. Mm. What would you have wanted your mom to say during that time? You know, for me, my mom leaned on me as she almost treated me like I was an adult at a young age, mm-hmm. which I wasn't. But that made me grow up really fast. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Um, I'll get teary-eyed on this one. Mm. Because she didn't say it until her last three days. I love you Mm. and I'm proud of you. Mm. Mm. If we could just say more of that, right? Yeah. All the mamas, the new mamas listening, that's all, that's all we need to hear. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for being such a light, illuminating this new path for people to speak about the big silence in the room. And as we segue into our final, final segment... What do you think it means to be brave? I mean, I put it all out there. It's <laughs> <laughs> for the dirtiness, the without <laughs> any shame or guilt, just be who you are as long mm-hmm. as you're a good person. I always say that. Like just be who you are, but be good, be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, help others. Mm-hmm. Don't live in fear, live in love. Mm-hmm. And what is the hope that you 
have for readers to experience from the book, from hearing your story? Um, just that you're not alone. Mm. That's it. Mm. Save a few lives. Mm. What a gift. What a gift. Because I know some of you and many of you listening probably know somebody or perhaps maybe sense someone going through something or a challenging time or a tough time that can really spiral really fast. And uh, this book is really uh, the big silence. Is This is a testament to how you're working to change that. So it's so brave. It's so raw. It's so vulnerable. And I'm so excited for you. And one word that describes the season of life. One word? Mm-hmm. I had Nick Onkin circling back to him, put it on my hat. Um, love and freedom. Oh. Two words, but. Two words. Love and freedom. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Where can we all get the book? You can get the book anywhere books are sold. Amazon is easy, obviously, but, you know, every bookstore, Barnes Nobles, go to thebigsilence.com and you can get it there. Amazing. Amazing. And where is the best place where everybody can chat it up to you and I'm sure share their stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for Instagram, the dot big dot silence. Uh, and then Karina Dawn, but I'm sure you can put it in the show notes. You can find we'll it there do, and all that stuff. We'll do all the things. We'll link everything in the show notes. And oh my gosh, you guys, The Big Silence, I think it's one of those books that really, because I love memoirs and that's why I asked you know, the difference between memoir and prescription, right? You know, the prescriptive books of like do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's great. But coming from just like the rawness of and pouring your heart on paper and taking us through like the visceral times of where you were of, you know, those ages. Yeah. We forget how beautiful that can be. Yeah. And at the end, there are 16 things of the lessons I've learned in life, which maybe... It's a combination. Could be doing, talking more about those things. There you go. There you go. Well, what a pleasure, love. Thank you. What an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm. Until next time on The Brave Table. Welcome back to the other side, friends. Now, I know this is a touchy episode and a touchy subject. And I know that Karina would love for you to get The Big Silence, her memoir, her book that really showcases her journey through this time. You can get it at The Big Silence and wherever books are sold. It is her personal memoir. I was so deeply moved by it. She had written so many incredible poems around the time that she was a young teenager, not even, and how she was able to be so wise during that time of just being so fearful. And it's such a beautiful gift to give to somebody else who you may think that is struggling with mental health or struggling with their own thoughts, struggling with their own anxiety, struggling with their own stuff, you know, and it just makes us realize that we are not alone in this journey, that we all are connected. We all have our own internal battles and wounds and that we can all share just a little bit by normalizing some of those conversations. And this would be great to give to a friend, give to a loved one, maybe share this with a community member of yours, maybe bring that book into a book club that you have or start your own book club. Because as we start to normalize these conversations, it becomes less taboo. It becomes more empowerment and 
something that we're not afraid of, something that we're not hiding anymore. And I know that it can heal generations. It's healed my family lineage to really be able to speak openly about things that are discomforting because when we all see that there is pain and discomfort with other people, we can appreciate those things. And I hope that you take away from this that if you are struggling right now, you can text HERO 741-741 for 24-hour seven days a week crisis support. If you are ever in a challenge, you can text that to a friend so that they have that information. Please follow Karina Dawn on Instagram and you can tell her all about your stories, The Big Silence, and a few other episodes if you are leaning into this work. The episode that I did on embracing the duality of your emotions and normalizing emotional health, that was number 37. Episode 65, Transforming Lost Cancer and Big Trauma into Fuel for Kindness with Mike Kim. And finally, episode number 67 with the one and only, the former bachelorette, Mike Johnson, bravely talking about your mental health challenges and really powerful. He shares how he lost three people to suicide. And you know, if anyone has a story, if they want to share, if they feel compelled to share, you can always write a review. We see those. This helps us get into the hands of more people to see us inside of iTunes or Spotify. So if you haven't already done so, reviews totally help us and really make these conversations more normal, make this information accessible because then it's shared by other people. So go ahead and share this with a friend. And we really appreciate your review so much. If you screenshot it, and send it to support at globalgrit.co. We will gift you with our incredible emotional mastery course. So without saying any more, I am wishing you so much love and have an amazing day, weekend, and don't forget to be just a little bit more brave. 